I just want to talk about this thing here. And I've mentioned it before, we talk about it, but I just want to keep beating this drum until we kind of get it a little bit. And so the first thing is worship God. Um, really, this whole model is what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? What does that look like here at the Vineyard Church? And so we've come up with four main things that will help you say this is how the Vineyard Church, um, they've looked into it, they've, they've said what are the best practices, what are the things that are going to make our hearts and souls healthy within God and with God. And so the first one is worship God. We want Everybody, worship. what is worshiping God? What, that's us gathering together on Sundays, as well as uh, your own devotional lives, your own reading your Bible, praying, connecting with God each and every day, okay? The second one is being community. And being in community, the main way that that's developed and the main way that we do that at our church is through our vineyard communities, which Chloe talked about. Vineyard communities uh, meet throughout the week, and they are just a really fun way to get plugged in there's three components of, our, of those things they they hang out together just quality time they look at sunday's message and they go through some uh, questions about sunday's message and then they pray for each other it's that simple and so that's our being community as well as our growth group so both of those there's lots of space for you still to jump in if you haven't jumped in i want to encourage you to jump in to either a growth group or go, jump into a vineyard community or both okay and the third area is getting equipped. These are equipped classes that we have during the fall. And the fourth area is doing the stuff, being in a ministry, uh, ministry capacity, like doing, using your gifts for the building up and strengthening of the church and reaching out into the community. So I want to just focus one more minute on that be in community. I want, if you're not in community through a, a growth group or a vineyard community, there's a disconnect in our spiritual lives with what's happening every day. So we are learning, we cognitively connect, let's say, with a Sunday message, but we have no place to unpack it. And so I want to encourage you guys to jump in to community because that changes everything in our lives, okay? So jump in. You will be better for it. Your life in God will grow, and it's just good for our hearts and soul. And I mentioned this last week. If you don't like one, just go to the next one. And if you don't like that one, go to the next one. Eventually you'll find one that, that works for you, okay? Um, and they're on this little sheet that a lot of you guys already handed in, but there's um, one in San Dimas, there's two in Glendora, one in Ontario, one in Upland. Um, so consider picking one of those and just jumping in, okay? You'll be, it'll be good for your soul. Okay, so with that, we are on part two of the series called Think, and we're learning to change our thoughts. And so this series is about learning to think differently. And so let me give you a quick review. If you weren't here last week, we said that there's one thing that you have 100% control of in your life. Most things in our life, we don't have much control over. Have you noticed that? Things happen, situations happen, but there's one thing you have complete control over in your life, and that's your thoughts. And we're learning to look at our thoughts and think differently. And so the series is based off of Philippians 4.8. And Paul says this. Could you put that text down, please? Philippians 4.8. One final thing. 
Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And we said last week, what if we use Philippians 4, 8 as a filter for a lot of our other thinking, right? So if this is our filter, all of a sudden we're realizing, oh, this does not line up with what is lovely. I shouldn't be having this thought. And today is going to be so practical. Today is going to be looking at our lives. How do we actually do this? How do we take this thought that's in my mind and renew it and think more like Christ? Okay? And so Paul says, fix your, your thoughts, your mind. And we, I mentioned this last week. Human beings are going to fix or we're going to um, we're going to set our minds upon something. And the question is, what are we setting our minds upon? Right? So I would say we set our minds upon what God's calling us to, to the exclusion of all else in our lives. Okay? So today is part two, renewing your mind. Um, does anybody like history, American history? I, I, I really like American history. And it's actually the older I get. I remember in high school, even college, I was like, eh. Like, I, college, I started liking a little bit. And then I got out of college, and then I'm like, oh, I actually really like history. Because we're doomed to repeat the past unless, unless we actually learn from the past. And so, anyway, um, did you, how many people's favorite president is Abraham Lincoln? Okay, about, about at least 20% of us in this room. Um, did you know that Abraham Lincoln had a major problem in his mind? He was depressed for large portions of his life. He saw himself as a failure. He saw himself as um, all the other presidents have been better than he was. He saw himself as an American president as a failure. And when he was shot in the Ford Theater, eight hours later, coroner, a coroner found three things in his pocket. They found a knife, a little pocket knife. They found a coin. It's an American penny or something. And the third, third thing that they found was a little newspaper article. Okay, this isn't it. <laughs> that would be amazing, right? So they, he had this little newspaper article. And the newspaper article basically said this. President Abraham Lincoln is a pretty good president. He's not a great president like these other presidents we've had, but he's pretty good. Do you see what he's doing for the union? Do you see what he's doing here? He's, he's a good guy, and he's got a good heart for our nation and um, if they, they didn't say this, but if, if we're going to grade them, it's kind of like a solid B. Not an A, not a C, but a solid B. Okay? That's what this, if I'm summarizing, that's what this, this newspaper article that he held in his pocket. And you know what Abraham Lincoln would do? When he was feeling like a failure, he would pull out this grade B newspaper article, and he would remind himself that he's not an utter failure. Okay? Um, 
My brother David's been serving in China, in Kunming, China, for the last 10 years. He had a student that was studying American history, and they, my brother and this, this uh, student, um, they were talking about American presidents, and this Chinese student said, and you know who the greatest American president of all time is? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. You know what? It's a shame that Abraham Lincoln couldn't think that about himself. It is a shame. So many, you guys, our thoughts are so powerful. Our thoughts are so powerful. And uh, we're going to have three monologues. Could those three people come up? And we're going to look at some of our inner thoughts in the church. Inner thoughts in the church. You guys know that our thoughts are powerful. And many in the church, we view our thoughts through this negative light. Like we view, we say, I'm a failure. And we let that take seed and germinate in our minds. I'll never be a success in God's eyes. I'm unlovely. I'll never match up with God's intentions. I need to earn God's love. God's mad at me. There's no way that I would be. I could find grace. And these thoughts plague us. These negative thoughts, they, they, they take seed and they germinate and they grow in our minds. And so here's three thoughts that I've heard over and over again in the church. Ugh, I'm a total failure. I never seem to live up to anyone's expectations, especially my own. All the dreams and hope I have just ended, I have had just end up getting pushed aside because of my worry and my insecurity. Year after year, I make resolutions to be different, to accomplish my goals. By the end of that year, I look back at my life through eyes of depression. Another year gone and nothing to show for it. Why can't I get over my insecurity and push myself to try? All I ever do is fail. I hate myself. I won't, I won't ever measure up to God's standard. I am dirty and filthy. Every time I draw a line in the sand to change, my lustful thoughts and desires overtake me, and I don't care in the moment. How... I, how am I ever going to feel God's acceptance and pure love if I don't have the will to power to change? I make too many commitments to change with no result. God must look at me in anger, and I just don't know how to earn his love. I hate my life. I hate the people who have hurt me. I am bitter and angry, and I don't care to change. I'm too overwhelmed with these feelings of resentment that it seems impossible to be free. Sometimes I think God must despise even looking at my heart, but it doesn't feel fair. Where is the justice for me? Isn't God big enough to have intervened in my life as a child? I feel scared and ashamed. And shamed. I won't ever be normal or able to be an example for others. I will always be the needy one. Give them a big hand. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had these inner thoughts? 
that are just, they wreak havoc on, the, on, on how God, we know that God views us. And they just, they eat away at God's calling on our lives. And before you know it, we start to believe that stuff. We settle in and say, this is who I am. This is my new identity. Instead of saying, no. Well, today I want to look at 1 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. And this is going to be, um, this is Paul. And Paul says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What is Paul talking about here? These strongholds, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about a thought life. And what if we're willing to tackle our thought life? We're going to demolish these arguments, these things that set themselves up against God in our own minds. And we're, Paul says, let's take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So let me talk about the historical context in which Paul's writing here. Uh, Paul's writing to a sinful city. This is a letter to um, the city of Corinth. And uh, there's a, they had a conflict with Rome. They were Corinth was destroyed in 146 uh, before Christ, B.C., uh, it was rebuilt in 44 by Julius Caesar. And when it was first rebuilt, Rome would send all their undesirables there. Okay, like, like let's send them away. Have you ever heard of, like, England sending all their undesirables to Australia? Well, that's kind of what was happening in the Roman Empire. Let's just send these people over there, okay? Um, and so the things that happened in Corinth were sometimes above and beyond uh, the immorality that, that we see in all the world, and specifically uh, 2,000 years ago. But they had temples of sex to Venus, um, and there was one temple that was dedicated to Venus that employed more than 1,000 prostitutes. Okay, So this is the type of situation we're talking about in the ancient world. Archaeological digs have found clay votives of human genitals offered to the gods because of all the massive venereal diseases that were so rampant in this city. Okay? Corinth was the Las Vegas of the ancient world. That's a great way to say it. Like, uh, great way to say it, okay? Um, and so Rome made the Corinthians actually the butt of dirty jokes. Like, to say you're like a Corinthian is to say you live shamelessly and, like, completely immoral. And you have to understand, the Romans are saying this, and they're very immoral people as a whole, right? So it's, like, above and beyond. So he's writing new believers in this city. And he's saying, guess what? We have to take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. Uh, and I want you to know specifically, uh, the text here, Paul's po apostleship is being challenged. And Paul's saying, this is not godly thinking. We can't think like this. He's saying, no more stinking thinking. Okay? So Paul's talking about mind games and how do we renew this thing right six inches between our ears. What do we do about that? 
How do we renew it? How do we start to think more like God? And so uh, everything from our lustful thoughts, negative thoughts, terrible thoughts about others, bitterness, anger, selfishness, these are really awful thoughts. Have you ever had really awful thoughts? They're called rats. Really awful thoughts. They're, they're just terrible, right? It's not God's plan. It's not a way to live. So I want you to know today, we need to work at regenerating and renewing our minds. Or it stays the same. If you don't work at regenerating and renewing your mind, it just stays the same. Uh, and it's a very tough process to change our thinking. It's tough. It's not easy. And today is going to be so practical. Um, but let me give you a couple of truths about the mind first. Number one, our actions are a direct result of the way you think. So we mentioned this last week. We think it, we speak it, we do it. Our actions are a direct result of that process. We started up here. Then we eventually speak it. Some people have these thoughts, and you might have that thought for months or sometimes years. And then before you know it, eventually it comes out. And then eventually we step into it. Okay? So your mind, the actions are a direct result of the, the way you think. Num truth number two, negative thoughts produce a negative life. Truth number two about our mind. Negative thoughts produce a negative life. Um, and so I think, what if we were able to use Philippians 4.8 and said, you know what, let's use that as a filter. If negative thoughts produce a negative life, if we use that filter, all of a sudden we're not allowing these negative thoughts to be in place. We're cutting those thoughts off. Truth number three about your mind. Your mind has been programmed for years before salvation. So it's kind of like when you buy a computer. And there's an operating system on your computer, but everything else is gone, right? There's nothing or nothing there. And then we start to download programs. And before you know it, we have all these programs and there's all these junk programs. Well, your mind's kind of like that. It's been programmed for years before you gave your life to Jesus, if you gave your life to Jesus later on in life. And so the problem is, there's a disconnect between what God's intention for your mind is and where you're at today. So you've been programmed for years with junk programs. Truth number four about the mind, your mind is a battlefield. It's not Switzerland. It is not neutral. It's not Canada. Okay? Your mind is a battlefield. Truth number five, we need to start to think about what we're thinking about, which we mentioned this last week. Um, if I, I want you to know, like, I've talked to people that, have, that these thoughts, the inner thoughts, have, in Christians' lives are so common. God can never love me. I'll never match up. God's grace is not enough in my life. Like, all these thoughts, I'm, and, and it, just, it just eats away, and they, instead, they take it on as their identity instead of letting God renew their hearts and lives and minds. Um, there's probably people here today that you've said, I, I can't, I can't do this, I can't do that, and hear the Spirit of God saying, yes, you can! Like, you can! 
You can do this. You can do what God's calling you to do. You can be what God's calling you to be. Truth number six. It's your choice whether you renew your mind. I cannot lay hands on you and give you a renewed mind. I wish that I could. Wouldn't that be awesome? Everybody's like, oh, John, just touch my, touch my head and it's all brand new. It doesn't happen that way. You've been programmed for years. And sometimes it takes a long time to retrain our thinking. It's a long process. So it's your choice whether you renew your mind. And some of us just need to say, yep, that's me. I'm going to step in. I'm going to tackle this one. And we're going to get real practical here. But um, this is one of my stories. So in high school, I had this friend. Uh, his name was Jim. And um, he was in like four out of the six classes that I was in each day. And they were all in a row. And he sat next to me. I didn't want to be his friend, but it just happened, right? <laughs> and Jim was, Jim had a very, uh, Jim, I love you, <laughs> if you're hearing this. Jim had a super dirty mind. And so he would be talking, we'd be going from class to class, and Jim would share things with me that I'm like, oh my gosh, da -da 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 -da, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> no, like, but we're just, and uh, you know, like, I was trying to live out my faith, but Jim kept saying certain words and certain phrases, and before you know it, I remember this one time I was in a, a, a service as a young adult and the pastor said a word and it triggered something that Jim said that in like uh, it was a sexual picture that was just got lodged in my brain. And so the pastor said a word, it made this trigger and all of a sudden I'm like, what? A, what? And like, it's just, now, guess what? When that thought comes, it's not sin. But what happened when we dwell upon it, that's when it turns negative. But the question is, how do I stop my brain from going there when a certain word that, a, that like, a, just a general word that a pastor says, it should never trigger that, right? And so, you know what I did? It took me, no joke, nine months of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Anytime I heard this word, and that picture showed up in my brain, I literally closed my eyes, and I turned my head, and I pictured the most pure picture that I could ever imagine. And at the time, my, the most pure picture I could ever imagine was Jesus, was Jesus hanging out on the beach with little kids. <laughs> so I'm like, this is like the best picture ever. So here's what I would do. Like this image was there, and I would literally, I'd close my eyes, turn my head, and I would, I would picture that scene. Jesus hanging out on the beach with kids. Like throwing a kid in the air, and the disciples are like, no, no, send him away. And Jesus is like, no, let the little children come to me. Like that was the picture that I replaced. Now it took nine months of me to do the same thing over and over and over again. I was in a conversation one time. We're chatting with friends, and it was super awkward. I'm like chatting, and they said this word, trigger, and I like closed my eyes, and I turned my head. <laughs> no joke. Nine months of that to renew my thinking. But guess what? After nine months, I was free. Nine months took me to renew this thinking that I had been stuck in for years. 
years. Okay? So, Romans 12.2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Because God has a perfect plan for you, a renewed, transformed mind. So how do we get there? Um, normally I have three practical tips, and today I have nine practical tips for you. Okay? So, and the band doesn't come up yet because it's going to be, a, a, this, is the, this is the core of this morning's message, okay? So nine practical tips for you. Number one, realize that God has placed destiny on your life. You know what? If you don't think that God has a destiny on your life as a Christian, guess what? Why even try? God has destiny upon your life to, like, like if you could ever imagine the way God views you and just said, you know what? I want to live up to that just a little bit. Everything would be different. You've destiny placed. The church has destiny placed upon her life. And let's get to the point where we say, yes, God wants to do that with me. He wants to use me. God has placed destiny on our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he's planned for us to do long ago. Another, one translation says, You've got a good life in Christ Jesus. What if we believe that? So that's the starting place. Realize God has destiny on your life. Number two, acquire a desire to change. Acquire a desire to change. Choose change. You know what? Desire doesn't hit you like lightning. You know what? This is a, this is a truth in life. Whatever you focus on, Whatever you give your attention to, you will start to desire more. So I was, my first pastoral job, I was on staff at this church called Brentwood in Florida. And the senior pastor started giving his attention to the head of the, de the, the deacon's wife. And before you know it, it was this huge church scandal and he had to resign and it was horrible, terrible situation. But guess what? He gave his attention over to something, and that eventually catches up to you, right? It starts in the mind, eventually it comes out of the mouth, and before you know it, it's action. And so, desire does not hit you by lightning. Whatever you're thinking about on a regular basis, you let that take a seed, eventually it gives way in our lives, okay? So we believe that on the negative, it's also true in the positive. Start to acquire a desire for God in your life. Um, how do we do this, John? Well, give your attention to God, to praying more, to just having an ongoing conversation with God. Start to read your Bible a little bit more. Start to go to a growth group or a vineyard community and get plugged in. All of a sudden... You're developing a desire for more. Okay? It's a key. It's a key. Whatever you give your attention to, you will start to desire in your life. Number three, continually, in continually increase in knowledge. 
continuing to increase about knowledge of the, in the Bible. Samuel Butler said, our minds want clothes as much as our bodies do. Your mind wants clothes. Um, know the Bible well enough to compare what's in your mind with the will of God. And as soon as we start knowing our Bible well enough to know that, it changes a lot of things. So know the Bible well enough to be able to compare what's stirring in our brain, and is that God's will for me or not? Most of the time, it's pretty self-evident. And sometimes you have to say, oh yeah, this this doesn't line up. This is like the opposite of God's plan for me, okay? Number four. I'm going through these fast because we have to, right? You guys okay? Number four. Diligently apply the truths that we've learned. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? Well, diligently apply the truths that you're learning. Diligently apply this sermon to your thought life. It takes discipline, and it takes a little bit of effort to do that, though, right? Number five, guard the entrances to your mind, your eyes and ears. Um, There's this fable that begins with a grandfather telling his grandson about two wolves battling in his heart. One wolf is wise and kind, the other is vicious and cruel. The grandson says, Grandpa, which one will win? And you guys know the outcome. The grandfather replies, the one that I feed will win. So what are we feeding in our lives? Which one are we feeding? So guard the entrances. um, And don't get legalistic on us, but guard your entrances. There's certain moments where you say, no, like, this, my heart, if I, do, if I go here, it opens up this window. Know yourself enough to say no. Okay? Um, so if you struggle in a certain area, guard your heart. And we're actually going to, we'll take a whole week and talk about how do we actually guard our heart. But number six, uh, talk back to the thoughts in your head. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. John, how do we do this? I want to get, teach you one little lesson, okay? So there's a little exercise. In just a second, I'm going to have each of you count to 50 in your head. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm going to have you count to 50 in your head, okay? Then, when I say go, I want everybody to say out loud, I love pink flamingos. <laughs> do you, I don't know if you do or not, but... They're fun if they're in yards, right, and they get transferred around. So, um, okay, so I love pink flamingos. When I say go, you'll say, I love pink flamingos. So we're going to start to count in our head as soon as I give you this signal, okay? Ready? So you're going to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You guys ready? Start to count. Go! So wait, some of you didn't get it. Okay, if you actually did that, Let's do it one more time. Okay, I'm going to point to you. Start counting in your head, okay? And then when I say go, I love pink flamingos. Let's try it one more time. Everybody out loud, ready? Okay, start counting. Count faster. Go! Okay, guess what you just did? You just cut off one thought. Do you know that your mind cannot think two things exactly at the same time? You stopped counting. 
you, you, here's what you did. You said, uh, here's, here's the pathway that I'm driving down. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Go. I love pink flamingos. And then you're like, oh, I'm back to normal. What's John trying to point? What's John trying to prove here? <laughs> and the point is that you just cut off that thought. You learned to redirect your mind to something else. And it's literally that simple and that difficult. Okay? So, in the middle of your battle, in the middle of your mind games, like just what I did with, with the situation with my friend Jim in high school, turning my head, I'm redirecting. I'm cutting off that thought, making it obedient to Christ, saying no. I'm, a, I'm, I'm using a little bit of willpower, saying no, I'm not going to let my mind go there anymore. Okay? So learn to do that. Um, so for you, it could be a memory verse. Or something as simple as, I love Jesus. No, brain, stop. And you just cut those thoughts off. Okay? Number seven, moving forward. Um, this is a big one. Paul said this in Philippians 3.13, I'm focusing all my energies on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. If Paul was an expert at forgetting things, and do you remember Paul's past? He is accomplice, an accomplice to murder. He's prohibiting worship in the synagogue of this new group called Christians. He's persecuting God's people. And I love it because Paul says, guess what? I'm forgetting my past and moving forward. Because that's what it takes. Forget the past and make a choice to move forward with wherever you're at today. Move forward. Paul was an expert at forgetting the past. And some of you guys just need to say, you know what? Grace says that I can just forget the past and move forward and just live it. Like, embrace it. Go for it. Every minute we get a chance to do this. Forget the past. Move forward. Number eight. Confess and work through your mind games in the context of community. And specifically our vineyard communities. What a great place to work through what the battle that's going on up here. And you know what? When we, talk, when we open ourselves up to community and we start having that conversation, all of a sudden it, it gives us space to say like, yeah, help, help me grow here. Help hold my heart accountable to the things that I'm letting enter that. Let, um, help me hold me accountable to the things that I'm letting uh, enter into my mind. And just have that conversation. You've got people that will back you up and pray for you. Okay? And, and so, one more time, jump into a vineyard community. Okay? Your heart will be good for it. Your life will be better because of it. And number nine. This is the last one. Remember, in the middle of your battle, God is still God. And God is with you. In the middle of your battle, doesn't matter how difficult, doesn't matter what is going on, God is good, and God is with you in the middle of your battle. And you can rely and depend upon God. Okay? Um, John Wimber used to say this. He said, one of the prayers, I think the prayer that God loves to answer the most is, Help! And the reason being is, is saying, God, I, I 
I need your help. I, I depend upon you. I can't do this. You are with me. Help me live this out. Help me embody this. I need your grace right now. So remember, in the middle of your battle, God is with you. Why don't we have our three people that are going to renew their thoughts? Uh, why don't you guys come back up and share one more time with us? So this is some inner thoughts renewed in Christ Jesus. No. No, I am not a failure. I am a child of God. It is in him that I dream and I hope. It is in him that I find my identity. I am gifted through Jesus, and I can step out in those gifts with confidence. He is my audience of one. I do not need to impress the world. I need to hide myself in him and focus on who I am in Christ. This year will be different. Jesus, help me to put my hope and my dreams at your feet. It is you that gave them to me. Help my heart to remember that I am not a failure. Thank you for being my security, reminding me that I do not have to live up to anybody else's expectations. You are my confident God, and I walk in you. Amen. No, I am a pure child of God through his grace. No matter how many times I have failed, he accepts me fully. It is his pure love that I seek, and I do not have to earn it, only accept it. Jesus, help me accept your perfect love. Help me to view my body as a temple of your spirit. When I am tempted, remind me you are the only one who can satisfy, restrain my thoughts to view sex as beautiful, pure, and sane. I am, I want to experience it the way you intended, not the way the world uses it. As I strive to use self-control, Holy Spirit take over me and lead my life. I am yours, I belong to you. Amen. No. I am legitimate in God. I do not have to carry the weight of his anger. I choose to let go so that I can see freedom in my life. I can be used by God, for he has set me free. I choose to forgive. I choose to move forward. I want to love freely again. Jesus, you made me. You have been with me through every painful, painful trial. Even though I do not see justice, you fight for me and make me legitimate in your kingdom. I choose to let go. I want to be used by you and for you. Help my story of hurt to reflect your perfect grace and healing for others. Thank you for thank you for lightening my load. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Give them a big hand. Yes. Why don't we all stand? God's got a great big plan for you and for our church. And it's time that we said, God, let's 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 deal with this stuff. Let's 
with the power of God's spirit inside of us, let's, let's partner with God's spirit and say, let's move towards a renewed mind. Let's, let's put a little effort in. Let's start thinking about what we've been thinking about. Let's not give room for the enemy just to take over and conquer our thought life. Guys, we need more freedom than 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, right? Let's go there. That's God's heart for you. God's heart is just for grace, mercy, grace just flowing through you where your, your thoughts have said, you know what, I'm going to think about what is lovely. Nope, that's not lovely. Cut it off. No way. I'm not going to go there. So let me, um, let's do this. If, if you're here, and you know, look, the number one place to start is if, the number one place to start in our life is if when we give our lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, uh, today is your day. Uh, it's really simple. It's saying, God, here's my heart and my life, and I give you all that I am. I want to change, I need you to change my heart, because in and of myself, I'm selfish, and I, I run after all kinds of crazy things. I've made so many mistakes in my life. I've, I've hurt people around me. I've hurt myself, and God, I've hurt you, and I ask you to forgive me. God, I, out of that, I want a relationship with you. I want to literally do life with God instead of on my own. I want that kind of interactive, conversational relationship with God. And so if that's you and you want to do that, uh, just raise your hand. prayer together. Jesus, I need you. I give you my whole life, my whole heart, all of the days ahead of me. And I ask that you come into my life, into my heart, and forgive me and set me free from everything that I've focused on that's destroyed my heart and so now fill me up Holy Spirit I make a choice to follow you all of my days I put the marker in the ground and I'm not going back I'm going to look ahead in Jesus name Amen well thank you Following Jesus is the best decision you'll ever make. The best decision you'll ever make. Uh, why don't we do this? We're going to sing a song. And um, if you just need something from God this morning, so maybe it's in reference to what we just spoke about. Maybe you're here saying, God, help me in the middle of my battle. If that's you, just come up front and just say, I need help, God. Here I am. I need help middle of right where I'm at. Maybe it's a situation at work. Maybe it's a situation in your home life. Maybe it's a situation between your two ears. Just saying, God, I just need help. Come on up. Our prayer team will come afterwards and just minister to you. But let's, uh, let's just give God a moment.
And if God's speaking to you, let's respond. Say, God, here I am. So let's sing the song. If that's you, just respond to what the Spirit of God is doing in your heart and life today. Let's sing. Let's sing.